Hello and welcome. This is Fallrot Abroad, your podcast for everything around Borussia Mönchengladbach. My name is Manuel, I'm your host, and I welcome back my co-host Alexis. How are you doing? I'm fine. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been a while. That is safe to say, right? Yes. <laughs> so this is the first recording, of course. Apologies uh, for to everyone out there uh, in 2023. Um, dare I say? Um, yeah, we've um, we followed the club's ambition this season and sort of drifted into oblivion. I guess that's that was our main motivation behind not recording, um, other than life. Um, but here we are, and the season is over, 22 to 23 season. Uh, Farke, no more. Uh, we will have another coach that was just announced uh, prior to the recording of this episode. So that's, of course, Seani um, coming in, a former coach of Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but yeah, Alexis, uh, lots to unpack, but at the same time, not that much, maybe, because um, I think we can spare everyone the um, shame and guilt to go through every single match. Uh, boy, oh boy, there were a lot of uh, empty draws uh, this season. Um how would you wrap up this season in um, in a couple of sentences, if that's possible? At the beginning of the season, we were happy to be rid of the direction, the Red Bull direction that we were going. And we were happy that we had a coach who was going to let us just play passing football, nice to watch. Mm. And we were looking forward to a relaxing season. Uh, and that didn't work out very well, unfortunately. Um, I'm sort of relieved that we didn't get into a relegation battle. But um, it has been another very disappointing season. And uh, I'm a bit worried about having to change our coach every season. That does not bode well for the future. And I'm Hoping for next season. Let's see what the new coach can manage to do. But cer certainly changing yet again. The coach after Adi Hütter, of course, only went on for one year at, at Gladbach in the previous season. It's never a good sign for a club. It's never a sign of, uh, sort of mid to long term development of the squad, of the philosophy, what you know people get to see on the pitch and uh, the players coming in or you know staying and identifying with the club. Um, uh, certainly that is the biggest worry at the moment, right? How, how this will sort of translate into yet another season. At the same time, I have to say, unfortunately, I'm relieved that Farke has gone because he proved to be a major disappointment. Um, and at least he wasn't sacked a few days before the end. We just managed to come to, I mean, when I say we, of course, I mean, the people who decide in the club bunch to, uh, they quite rightly decided that uh, this wasn't a long-term option. So it's better to part ways then. Yes. Let's uh, let's come to that in a second. Um, for, first, if we talk just about maybe the season, um, we were praising, I think we were praising the direction that the, the club or Farker was taking with the club um, in the first third, in the first well, 30-40% of the season um, when we suddenly stopped recording this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this is this is pre-World pre, pre -World Cup um, results. There were some signs of that that 
um, there, there, there is sort of a change to the, the way we play football. It's looking promising, yet there are some, some setbacks. There were some setbacks, some awful results. Um, but it's fair to say probably that the first third or the first 10 games of the season were a move in the right direction with Farke and just generally for the club, right? Well, we thought so. We thought they were more versatile and um, there were a few things they'd stopped doing, uh, a few new things they were doing, and we thought this was heading in any direction, but as we found out later, they weren't heading in any direction at all. Uh, and unfortunately, the really abysmal performances, not the results themselves, but the performances of the team showed something that we've been waiting for for quite a few years now in the meantime at our club is that the players actually believe in what the coach is telling them and that he has sold them a vision of what he believes the direction he believes they should be heading in and the football they should be playing and now for quite a few years we haven't had that uh it could be that daniel Farker didn't have a vision or it could be that the players weren't really interested in that at all. But um, we weren't a team. We didn't have a team. We didn't have players who believed in what the coach was telling them. It didn't look like that at all. Mm. If you if you if you simply look at sort of the you know the numbers compared to maybe Marco Rosa, but certainly compared to Adi Hütter, um, I think it, it it tells exactly the story of the season and um, or or you know possession game when when slightly up although that's sort of leveled out over the season with about 54 percent possession um the pass accuracy went up compared to uh, hütter and compared to rosa up to uh, 83 percent from from 82 um you know marginal but of course you know this is a lot of passes <laughs> in the squad um but it it i think i think what the feeling was just without being too you know tactically minded here um was there was this this rather slow paced possession game that was taken over in most games that was completely uh, div- you know void of any creative movement of any speed um, and that results in these sort of looking at possession when we talk about the possession football that he wanted to play it was mostly a keeping the ball safe in your own third um, and I think that was also something that was incredibly painful if that's the word but definitely difficult to watch uh, over vast stretches of um, you know the second part of the season or coming out from the break at the, after the world cup um is that fair to say well this is statistics that we always got thrown at us after every match did actually declare that we were the team with the fewest sprints and the um least distance covered and so on and so on the slowest team in the bundesliga i don't know whatever yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it was... looks like they just kept on slowing down every single week and becoming unfitter and unfitter and more and more listless. And uh, um, we had this mix of occasional highlights, occasional great matches, then sometimes great 10 minutes. But we had these, the word I've already used, abysmal performances where there was no resilience, uh, no passion, no interest even uh, in showing good football, performing well, and that kind of spoiled everything else. You mentioned the word that was um, that Gladbach fans got um, a bit of you know fed up with, and it was resilience, <laughs> which of course is uh, Farkas mantra throughout uh, many a press conference, many a pre pre match uh, 
uh, talk, pretty much interview. Well, he was resilient to reality, resilient to reality towards the end. That, that is certainly one aspect that um, that was, uh, you know, in the minds of uh, of many Gladbach supporters and 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 sort of. Uh, Observers of the club um, around this season, yeah. If, you know, looking at, I don't want to sort of re, you know, redraw the entire sort of um, painting of horror that that these matches held this season. But uh, you know, we came out of the out of the winter break, came out of the uh, post um, World Cup break, um, losing three two to Leverkusen at home, being actually th- completely outplayed, being three 0 down in that game. Um, the annual abysmal. You said it. Performance in Augsburg, um, completely absent of, of any sort of uh, engagement in, in that match, losing one nil. We go away to win at Hoffenheim four one. You think there are signs of improvements? Playing um, the 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 last you know 18th team in the league, Schalke, goalless draw. Go away to Hertha, who who then were the last or you know placed in, in a bottom position of the league, losing four one after being one nil up. Um, and then, yeah, we have Bayern Munich beat Bayern Munich three-two. Everybody's happy. Uh, a couple of days later, losing four-nil on a Friday night to Mainz. Um, I think it was for me personally. Um, it was certainly around that period, um, January, February, uh, where you could see that it was going towards uh, clearly a mid-table position, and just all you could expect is maybe one out of three games that was decent, but it was it, you know the pace of good games was slowing down. Really, were lost. Uh, a bit of, you know, belief in in the coach and also in the team. Um, do you, you know, you you go to a lot of home games. Um, was this does this resonate with you? Um, that you know, was it was kind of early on in this year in this calendar year. Yeah, it was after the winter break when you lost your trust in the coach and in the team, and you could clearly tell they weren't going anywhere. Um, you mentioned the nil-nil against Schalke. That was awful, awful football. <laughs> Completely bereft of ideas, and uh, the home crowd whistling and booing for almost the entire second half because they couldn't stand it any longer. And Schalke should have won it, really, right? That was again. We were uh, right, there was only one good attack uh, by Mönchengladbach, Gladbach, I think, in the whole match, and that was somewhere around the seventieth minute. Stindl putting it. Across. Yeah, yeah, that uh, yeah. was one good attack. That was, but that was just two, three of our good football players being fed up with all this terrible football. But uh, you could tell the team didn't have a clue what how to play and what to do, and they had absolutely no creative spirit and nothing at all. And um, I didn't go to the match whole match against Bayern Munich because I was so fed up. I knew I could sell my ticket. And I just didn't care anymore. I didn't care if they win or not because it doesn't matter if you play like that against the 18th in the league. Relegation candidate Schalke. You, who cares if you win against Bayern Munich next time? You know, Not to mention that they had actually lost in Berlin 4-1. The only time Berlin, I think, managed to score that many goals the whole season. Yeah, certainly true. Um, and... Um yeah, again, it shows shows in the numbers. I think compared to the previous seasons, which were already on a downward trajectory in terms of attacking play, in terms of goals conceded. Um, you know, we allow we were looking at um, fewer fewer big chances that were created um, uh, per game, uh, shots per game uh, under under Hütter was almost fifteen 
12 under Farke, um, goals from inside the box, you know, fewer goals, 45 compared to 48, 56 under Rose. Um, but out of 200, around 280 attempts, and previously it was 330. So you see there's a you know, significant drop in what, what has been created up front and still yet defensively, it wasn't a solid season, I think. Um, and we've, we've had years of, um, you know, defensively being one of the best teams of the league under under Favre about 10 years ago. And uh, there you could, of course, then um, be happy with, uh, well, you know, when we create chances, we might score, but certainly we don't concede much. So, you know, here again, it was a it was an awful mix of quite easily conceding goals, but um, having to do a lot of passing and a lot of efforts in most of the matches, if not nearly all of them, uh, to, to score goals. I mean, again, um, in the second half of the season, it seemed more a, a good game, a good result was more of a freak result than um, a completely absent performance. So uh, I think the numbers, again, you know, speak speak uh, a lot here. Um, do you think that the team, because um, that was often said, just as well was, you know, clocking out early this season and with a lot of players, of course, running uh, contract expiring or maybe looking at moving or just maybe not caring that much after so many seasons at Gladbach. Do you think it was a matter of that as well? It, it seems like that as from an outside perspective but can this really be a case for a professional team well um we're speaking from the outside so we don't really know uh, of course but um there's did seem to be a lack of belief yeah and uh, obviously they weren't motivated by the coach he didn't wasn't telling them anything which got them excited about playing football and they were just going through the motions and there was no passion there, or no professionalism either. Um, we've talked about uh, um, defeats against Cologne being the final straw yeah. for a coach. And the funny thing is they didn't lose in Cologne. They played another nil-nil, but it was so, so, so ghastly and they were just sleepwalking around the pitch, our team. Uh, that, that was even worse than losing. That was sort of not the final straw, but the second last final straw. I think the final straw was the way we lost in Stuttgart. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, see that. The away defeat only two one. That's the score doesn't look too bad, but the performance, the non-performance, uh, was just uh, like a nightmare, really. Hmm. I would, um, I, I would argue that the Cologne game was um, so frustrating because. Farke and the team with that, because Farke is to blame here, certainly, you know, in, in, in the approach to the game, but also what he said afterwards that, you know, everybody seemed, or he was selling it as everybody was very happy about the result and it was a good football game and, and you know, a good, decent draw away is always a good thing. I think he managed to make a draw appear like a loss uh, to Cologne. So it was, it was it was almost like he, he even took away the joy or the content you could feel by getting a point or draw out of a derby but he even spoiled that because it, it certainly felt like this was worse than just you know losing 3-0 or something to Cologne which is quite an achievement in itself if you think about it um, but it was certainly the feeling that a lot of Gladbach supporters had when they walked away from that match um, and, and I think it was also um, you're talking about Stuttgart and, and you know Cologne and, and you know since we're now I guess talking a bit more about Farke um, the, the way he 
package the, these 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 terrible results or these terrible um, lackluster performances. That was something that really robbed a, a, a lot of a lot of uh, spectators, a lot of supporters, the wrong way. And it was it was it was odd, right? I mean, I've never seen this in this quantity and quality that a coach would, on face value, protect the team or protect the squad. But it was he was almost in denial, or you know, denying his own, you know, denying reality, but also feeling that you know, I had the feeling that he was he was. Uh, Twisting and turning itself to 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 somewhat appear coherent, but it just didn't make sense at some point. Uh, you had, I mean, it was you started to get a sinking feeling sometime after the winter break. Before the winter break, you thought he's a smooth talker. He knows how to sell a bad performance, and he knows how to protect his team, and he knows how to see uh, uh, diamonds in pig manure or <laughs> something, but. Um, it started to get a bit scary. He felt he was completely either out of touch with reality or he was a con man mm. who just knew how to talk well, but actually didn't have a clue what he was doing. And uh, yeah, he uh, you felt as a fan that he was not taking you seriously. He kept on uh, commenting on these matches as if he'd seen something that nobody else had seen. Nobody had seen what he had seen. So either he was lying or uh, there was something wrong with his, his grip on reality. Mm. It, it was, it was, it was really uh, frustrating and people, the fans got angry towards the end and just started booing whenever they heard his name and whistling and trying to get him, tell him, uh, telling him to get lost. And yeah, it was very unpleasant towards the end. Much, much like if we, you know, if you take this aspect of Farkas ear um, and and look at um, the, the, you know, the starting formation and sort of the squad composition, I, I think in the beginning of the season everybody read this as um, as as Farka pointing at at Verkos to say I need I need other players I need more players because he was not bringing on the subs that early or he wasn't even using his subs in many matches so he had a very clear starting eleven. Then injuries started to, you know, crawl in with Itakura and, and, and Neuhaus and, and, you know, other players being out, Ram being out for a couple of matches. Um, and, but that wasn't necessarily the case in the second half of the season, but yet it felt like he was just um, paralyzed on the sideline and not reacting to anything you would see on the pitch in, in any form. I mean, I can always understand that. A manager is not if a, if a manager decides not to be, you know, overly hectic or overly in, engaging in in, in in subs and subbing out you know three players at halftime, but you would just feel like how much worse can it get than this performance? Why do you not trust players of the bench? And this is also a big sign towards these players that they're probably pretty useless. <laughs> Even but at the same time, whenever he yeah. used one of them, like Ngumu or Hannes Wolf. He, always, he did that in a way where everybody was criticizing him as well. Why do you let Ngumu start as a striker in the middle? Or why yeah. do you let uh, why do you substitute Hannes Wolf on uh, one minute before the end? Or, you know, why are you doing this and why are you doing that? And he was it was uh, uh, I had this feeling uh, I don't know, sometime in March already that wait a moment, 
what if this man is an imposter? He's actually never coached a team in his whole life. Maybe this isn't Daniel Farke. Maybe this is his twin and Daniel Farke is dead. Or, you know, that's what it looked like somebody who didn't have a clue what he was doing. And somebody suggested to him, why don't you play three at the back and five in the middle sometime? And then he just did that, but he didn't know why. Uh, it was very strange. And the way he talked about the matches is for a while you believe somebody that he has a reason for saying things and he sees things that you don't see because you're only a stupid football fan and he's a coach, but nobody believed him anything towards the end. I mean, the reporters were shaking their heads at press conferences at press conferences, and wrote in their reports, I don't think he knows what he's saying. Nobody agrees with what he is saying. So the, the, the doppelganger story, you heard it here first on Forward yeah. Abroad. Um, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think you're not, you know, um, there, there is, there's potentially some evidence for that. So uh, let's not dispel this entirely. Um, you have a really good point here. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's. Uh, I think that just paints the picture of um, what, what um, you, everyone had to endure around the club for the last uh, four, four to five months, a very, really odd um, second part of the season. Um, but did you, you know, apart from the communication uh, woes and, and apart from using, making odd squad decisions or no decisions at all, do you get any feeling about the football he continued to be wanting to play or, the, you know, the football that we were playing? You know, there was uh, raging discussions, of course, at some point around, oh, is this possession football? We don't want the pressing football anymore. That's a bit of a 2022 discussion, you know, coming coming uh, coming out of a Hütter season, now with Farke. But I think there was also nobody really showed any interest anymore in a, in a, in a tactical or in a discussion about what football really Gladbach is playing. And it seemed that seemed to have echoed as well with the coach, right? I mean, we... Was there anything where we felt like this is the this is Gladbach football since January February? Well, I'm nerdy enough to read lots of nerdy websites written by nerds who. That's what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> say, uh, and they were playing a guessing game, kind of. That's my feeling. They were saying uh, in the match against Stuttgart, that was Farke football. That's what he wants to see. Or in the match against whoever, that that attack right there now, that was Farke. That's the kind of football he wants team to play but you know that appeared every now and again and it could have been coincidence mm. and it's not exactly that's why I said uh, just now that you had the feeling he doesn't have a clue what he's really doing uh, he wouldn't buy a second hand car from this man he doesn't know how a car works he doesn't know where the motor is he, he you know he doesn't know which petrol goes into the engine that's kind of the feeling I had was that he doesn't know what he's doing. He didn't see the team developing in any direction at all. It seemed all making it up as you go along. Right. So, you know, with with the season then coming to an, a rather mediocre and rather unspectacular sort of end, did and, and since we didn't, you know, we haven't met uh, this this year on on on, on a forward abroad, did. How are your feelings towards you know sort of sort of the pending um, dismissal or the pending change in the manager position that was at some point really you know writings were on the wall and it was going to happen and there was still you know pretty clear sort of division in the in the Gladbach supporter you know camps that you know people say and I could see that argument 
certainly to say we we want a bit of continuity if you again change uh, the squad a lot maybe there should you know the, the constant parameter here should be Farker on the on the bench versus the other ones are like god no let's no let's get rid of him he had his chance i mean you clearly argued for the latter just now um but how did you you know how did you experience how did you live sort of like last four to three three to four weeks of the season <laughs> well um yes he was saying things that made you think is it a good idea to get rid of him um but that kind of all I, I mean, I by that time I decided he was a con man, and I also all of a sudden I remembered. Wait a moment, this is the man who led a team to the Premier League, and then they got relegated. Then he led them back to the Premier League, and then they got relegated again. Mm. Oh dear, what if he does that with us? With us, you know, this is. I he said I need two or three seasons before until I've built up my team, the way I want them to play football with the players that I need. But and that's quite a sensible thing to say, and you want continuity, and even people like Alex Ferguson needed one or two years before they started, they really got going. Mm. There's been lots of coaches who needed a couple of years to get going, but I didn't believe him. I didn't mm. believe that he really knew what he was doing and that he knew what kind of football he really wanted to play. I mean, normally you'd say it's unfair to get rid of him. Um, he inherited a team from other coaches, from uh, our manager, ex-manager Max Ebel, who in the latest parts of his career at our club completely lost it. Another doppelganger scenario, another one. You, you could say that was unfair to, to say, look, Daniel, you're rubbish. You're not going to get the job done. But... I think there was so much evidence that he didn't know what he was doing and he wasn't good enough. Uh, he had to go. Um, I'm all for continuity, but not with Daniel Farker. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, some, uh, yeah, clear, clear verdict here. Uh, and I've got that, that in turn is, of course, then criticism towards sporting director uh, Roland Verkus, right? Because he, he installed Farker at the beginning of the season. Um, so in a way... That this falls back onto him. Um, I don't know. Maybe Daniel Farker's sweet talked him into getting the job. I mean, he fooled us for quite a few months before we slowly realized that things weren't going the way he'd always said. Uh, and I mean, poor Roland Virkus, he's, you know, he's from Mönchengladbach and he's maybe quite gullible and he was new to the job. And he thought he was taking a safe decision. I mean, he didn't take anybody who was obviously completely rubbish. It wasn't... People weren't telling him not to take Daniel Farker. Lots of people said Daniel Farker lets his team play quite good football and he's all right. You know, I don't think uh, Roland Virkus, for all his shortcomings, is to blame for this. Well, there's maybe an interesting aspect that you that you take on a new coach, and uh, certainly the the discussions you would have with the coach coming in would be about, uh, you know, as you just mentioned, the football he wants to install, the football he wants to play over one, two, three seasons. But then you could still say that it's it's then maybe an odd thing to, um, as a sporting director, also take the direction to go into the last season more or less deliberately into the last season with the likes of you know Marcus Trum and and, and Ben Zabaini. Um, to let their contract run out, but maybe 
have a really good last season with them and qualify for Europe or at least challenge for the top seven. Um, I, I would I would think that goes together. That um, there's a bit of a misjudgment here. What he he could have done or he could do with the squad in that year, given what kind of manager he is. Um, but you know that aside, because um, we don't really know, um, uh, you know what he thought when when he hired Farke. <laughs> Um, how do you feel about um, one aspect that was also really uh, broadly discussed and, and broadly uh, criticized over over the last month and uh, you know that led to Farkas dismissal and and really the second half of the season is the the way the, the club built its you know um, communication strategy and how, how the club generally communicated with um, the public as a club but also how Verkus communicated with the media and how Farga communicated. We, we talked about Farga and the media, but um, I, I found it quite poor how Verkus made Farga look and the club look by, you know, sometimes being absent. And of course, there was the um, most important period that was in, in early May, um, supposedly giving him a, a guarantee to go into the next season, really just um, in the early days of May. And then after getting trashed by Dortmund, eight to nine days later it was something about my well we have an open we have an open discussion after a season and see where this takes us which pretty much in every case or always means uh yeah we probably get rid of the coach the manager so how do you judge the communication of of, of the season you know of really everyone involved um he did his best he's not very good though <laughs> he didn't want the job I mean, he was. I mean, when Max Eber resigned in his shock press conference, they couldn't find anyone else, and he sort of volunteered to do it. Mm. And you can't expect too much of him. He's not a mm. professional man. And I, I don't know. It's kind of he's from München Gladbach, you know. I mean, he's like my sports, my PE teacher used to be, kind of. Shouts a lot and gets angry quite quickly, and is not really very good at sports anyway. So, um, the, joking aside, they'll have to find somebody who's better at public relations than Roland Vickers. I think Roland Vickers himself would be maybe one of the first to admit that he's not very good at being a PR man. Um, he did his best. Uh, but of course, um, what was he going to do about Daniel Farke? They probably decided that he wasn't up to the job and it was kind of, he was just playing for time, I think. Hmm. I think it's a good point, but there's also, of course, um, action the club has taken that, you know, may, may sort of confirm what you're saying. And of course, since, um, Pretty much last last week or in the last two weeks, um, Nils Schmatke was um, was um, confirmed as um, sporting director um, for the well, essentially for the professional Gladbach squad uh, Lizenz, Sportdirektor Lizenz, as we say. Um, and yeah, he's he's quite young. He's thirty four years of age, and he's coming over from from Wolfsburg, where he he was um, head of the scouting department, and he had already worked with um, at Gladbach. Um, and he, of course, he's the son of um, of uh, um, Jörg. 
Jörg Schmatke, who you know is 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 now sporting there or moving on over to Liverpool, <laughs> which is slightly unbelievable to say that. But um, of course, you know has a, has quite um, quite a, a CV in, in in German football in the Bundesliga um, as a as a former goalkeeper, but then also as um, as sporting director and, and manager in many clubs. Um, so yeah, that, that that could be a, an immediate reaction towards um, what the club and what maybe also Verkus himself observed during the season. Wouldn't you say so? Um, that would that is kind of a clue that he himself said, "Look, I'll do it because there's nobody else to do it, but we need to get a professional in as soon as possible." And uh, apart from the public relations aspect, there have been a few uh, good decisions he or the others responsible in the club have made. We have a great new goalkeeper um, managed to get him quasi for free because Jan Sommer went to Bayern Munich, something nobody could have um, could have suspected when we made our last program because Manuel Neuer broke his leg while skiing. So we have a new goalkeeper for the next few years, which is really good. And he's uh, extended some contracts. And, you know, he hasn't been doing such a bad job as far as um, getting our squad up to shape is concerned. Yeah, we said this, you know, when when uh, sort of um, meeting or, or you know pre-recording. Um, I, th- I think you know, it Faga had been um, it it hurt. Well, sorry, Vorkus had been more or less silent over the season. Um, <laughs> his sort of core business record is is um, is fairly good to look at. Um, if you you know you mentioned the the, the Omlin summer swap, um, certainly um, it, you know Itakura coming in, um, and now we have um, you know players. Um, Ulrich coming from come from Hertha at a 19-year-old left back, and then uh, Ranos coming um, as one of the most prolific striker in the in the regional Liga in in the fourth uh, league in, in in German football from from Bayern Munich, uh, 19 years of age as well. Both of them, uh, these are certainly trans- transfers that make sense given Gladbach's current position financially and also in in, in terms of squad depth that is that is needed. Um, with yeah, sadly Lars Stindl. Um, we also have to talk about that. Lars <laughs> Stindl leaving to to Karlsruhe, going back to to his um, so you know his former club, uh, and of course Marcus Thuram and and, and Rami Benzabeni moving on. Benzabeni moving just over to Dortmund, as sixteen hundred club players have done in the last ten years. Um, yeah, so there's you know we need to replace uh, a couple of core players, and uh, together they scored twenty seven goals last season. That is certainly a concern. Because if you even if you recruit talent, that doesn't guarantee you um, near enough goals. It might be you know that's a promising player, but uh, lots needs to be done. So are we confident that Verkus can deliver? Because this you know might be really one of the, the most important transfer periods over over the summer. As clearly there's going to be a lot of movement in the squad. Uh, no, we're. <laughs> I mean, this is an uh, even larger question mark. And more of them than last season. Uh, ben Sabaini and Turam leaving for no money, for no mm. transfer fee, is really a big problem. And how can we replace them? We can't really. I mean, uh, that's impossible. So we'll just have to hope for the best. Mm. And these are difficult times financially. Uh, we might lose Kone as well because he somebody might come and offer an enormous amount of money for him because he's a, a, an amazing talent. We might lose him as well. 
and uh, we don't have many players with uh, a lot of experience left. I've heard that player is thinking about moving mm. as well back to France. So this is rebuilding the entire squad, something that has, we should have done. We were expecting to happen last season and it hasn't happened yet. And under these difficult circumstances, um, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just to, to, to re- reiterate, um, you know, track record of, of, of track record of workers is, um, do we, do you, you know, do we agree? Do you agree that um, this was, you know, sensible decisions being made? He, of course, also, ex- you know, extended Jonas Hofmann's contract. He extended player, which even though he might be on his way out, of course, gives now uh, the option to get a bit of value, get a bit of money back um, compared to, you know, his previous contract. Um, Julian Weigel has been, you know, now um, bought or is, 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 is from his loan is now constantly at, at the club for... Um, for half of the money that was expected to be uh, his price tag. And of course, uh, Jordan Bayer, um, a Gladbach Academy player, was sold for, I don't know, at 15 million, I believe, euros it was, um, to um, Burnley, where he was out on loan. And of course, had a very successful year that ended in the you know promotion to the Premier League. Um, as, a, as a package, just looking at, at these moves, should we be confident? Because, you know, um, you sounded very doubtful or very... Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Um, I just meant the situation is really difficult. Certainly, yeah. And it's a great task for any sports director. And I think so far he's done, uh, he's made a lot of right decisions. So um, we can feel relatively confident. It's just the situation, the circumstances uh, are so difficult that uh, it'll be difficult to find a good replacement for the players we've lost. Uh, we should have found them before. Yes. I think it's certainly a challenge if you need um, not only one or maybe two, but probably even three or four um, proper attacking players who could really play you know, the upfront position or maybe in a front two even this position. Um, let's not forget we also um, sold Braille Embolo before the season and never got a replacement. For him, I don't know if Nangumi was supposed to be the replacement, but clearly an entirely different player um, from his physique, but also from the position. So uh, I think the attacking package is something that worries me personally because it's so many so many positions or so many players that need to be found that all have to sort of click together immediately. And I mean, um, that's rarely seen. Stindl were a, a dream team partnership. And uh, we'll have to see how Hoffman can cope without having Stindl to play with. And um, even though Tiram didn't score as many goals as he should have, he wasted Mm. a lot of very good opportunities, he Mm. was still a large presence up at front when he was uh, on a good day, at least. Um, And despite Ben Sabini having a bad last season, Mm. um, they were still quite strong characters. And that's kind of going to be difficult to replace with. The question is, will they be buying seasoned uh, professionals who have a bit of experience or will they, because of the financial constraints, have to buy a lot of players on the cheap, young players who might develop their talents further or might not? Mm. That's, that's That's the big question. 
Yeah, so you, you know when uh, when Ranos was was signed from Bayern Munich, um, of course it was going around on Twitter that the last time Gladbach had signed um, 18 or 19 year old striker from Bayern Munich, that was at the time backhand Göktan, if you remember, <laughs> that, oh. that ended okay. with uh, with the relegation into the Zweite Bundesliga. So uh, <laughs> it's not a good omen. <laughs> um, so certainly, certainly would. Should and would aim for a mixture between talent and and more seasoned players, as you as you said. Um, and I think I think the argument here is to be made that even in in better times, maybe with an overall s- stronger and more balanced squad, I would argue that it this would worked really well in Gladbach um, to observe. And you know that was sort of the prime Ebal years to observe players from from clubs that are yeah just sort of next door to Gladbach or maybe slightly below um, that have performed well. We mentioned Stindl, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of other examples. Um, and then bring them in and they can sort of take the next step at Gladbach, whether it be for just a couple of years or to really sort of have a, uh, a long career at the club because, you know, they don't have the feeling of just uh, moving on quickly and this is just sort of a, a springboard to, to a much bigger club, which I think is key, key to understanding where everything got wrong or went wrong with Ebal and, and Gladbach in the sort of season leaving into the into the COVID year or the COVID years. Um, I distinctly remember us having mentioned this a few times, we need more Mike Hankes and Martin Stranzels. Yeah. Players who are happy to be in München Gladbach because it's a step up from where they were before. And at the same time, this is kind of the big contract they've been looking for. Yeah. So um, that would be the kind of the seasoned professionals we're looking for, yeah. who are kind of have a certain amount of enthusiasm and they really want to give it their all because this is their big contract before they retire to second division football or something like that. And then we haven't seen any of those so far. Mm. We also, you know, we could go on with you know Ibo Traoré and um, Fabian Johnson, even Andre Hahn. You know, certainly nowadays, if you if you think about somebody like Hahn coming from the bench, that the, the kind of player he was, the still level of you know assists and and goals he created in that squad. Um, you know, sometimes we kind of well, maybe had um, sort we of would a, be very happy to have him coming <laughs> from the bench nowadays. Uh, yes, yeah, he had he had certainly had a presence that man. Yeah, yeah. and enthusiasm. <laughs> Well, you know, he scored in the scored in the Champions League. He scored in Glasgow, so that make you know puts him into a, a sort of a, a very special position in a European Cup history for Gladbach. Um, I guess we all remember that. But do you think? Do you think you know talking about the, the bigger structure here of the, of, the, of, the, of the squad that inevitably leads us? You know, we're talking about Verkus, we're talking about Farkas certainly, um, which is more of a um, you know. Uh, bystander sort of position um, in the grand scheme of things, but talking about a sporting director, talking about um, how the club positions itself. I think something that also became really obvious um, over the season and also been brought up by lots of um, lots of journalists um, this year is that overall the club seems entirely static and a little bit frozen in time, you know, still desperately feeding off, trying to feed off the more successful Ebal years um, with, of course, the board at Gladbach being um, very seasoned, if I may say, um, certainly over-seasoned in some cases, um, 
but you know, jokes aside, it's 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 um, you know a, a board that is far beyond um, seventy years of age. As nobody seventy is still young. Yeah, it mm-hmm. would be one of the younger ones. Um, certainly, Rainer Bonhoff probably is is sort of the spring chicken in this uh, <laughs> in this team. So yeah, but it's you know it's. That maybe also is just um, you know this the season and 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 this rather disappointing year, another disappointing year. You know, it's also just an expression of what's going on in in you know in the boardroom or higher up, where there seems to be a lack of enthusiasm and 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 lack of progressive thinking and 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 fresh ideas. Um, at, at least from the outside, again, we cannot fully judge this, but it just seems that way because nothing has really changed and. That certainly doesn't appear to be a club nowadays that is at the forefront of rapid, clear, uh, cutting-edge decisions <laughs> on every level. Um, do, do, you, do you share that feeling, or is it just me being uh, rather ranty about everyone at the club? Um, well, they are very old, yes. <laughs> uh, and they've been there for a long time, so a change is going to come sometime soon. And... Um, I don't know of any candidates as successors so far. Yeah, so uh, at the moment we're a bit uh, hanging in the air a bit there. We'll have to. I don't know who else would who is coming up to replace these old folks. These seasoned seasoned people. Yes. Hmm. Um, yeah, we really haven't um, haven't read or, or heard anything uh, in that regard. Is so far been you know rather kept quiet. Um, of course, there have been always been rumors of people like Christoph Kramer in in sort of mid mid to long term range, or even you know uh, Martin Stranzel, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, you know was sort of set. It was to in the be, news a bit, wasn't it? He yeah. gave a lot of interviews, and people were saying that he uh, might be the one to come along in a couple of years. And uh, that, that that generation, those players uh, who um, popped up under Favre. Just over ten years ago, mm. that they have this, uh, they identify with the club, and certainly in the interviews that you read, they do. I do seem to identify with the club a lot. So maybe they would be the ones to come along in three or four years or so. Yeah, Martin Martin Schantel certainly knows how to organize um, a defensive, you know, four, and also how he knows to how to fix cars at. I seem to remember that was his yeah. hobby. So uh, maybe also he knows how to revive, uh, you know, the the legend that is uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, you know, well, although not all is lost, you know, we still finished tenth in the Bundesliga. It's not like we're uh, we're uh, we're facing a uh, facing a relegation into the into the third division or something. But um, certainly, what becomes clear in these 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 weeks or going into the summer break now that the season is definitely over, even with all the um, you know, cup finals being played and all the relegation uh, matches. There needs to be a lot of change over the summer, um, and a change that we may have not seen since. Um, yeah, I mean, going back to the years of, God forbid, Dick Advocat and Peter Panda. <laughs> in terms of you well, know, that was being brought in. That was an exceptional season, though. Uh, yes, Advocat. I mean, that was a special situation where he practically tried to uh, substitute the entire team. Yes. By buying anyone that couldn't run away in time. That's Kaufhaus's Westens. Yes. I remember it well. Yes. Um, well, we have this new coach now. Maybe he knows what to do. Maybe he has a plan. Maybe that will 
shape the future and he will be the one to show us which direction to go um yeah so so you know we, we have, i mean we have Ron Vickers has chosen a coach who has achieved something and who might have been sacked a bit too early he had a lot of success at Leverkusen in his first season they were playing really good football and he got sacked because they lost six or seven games in a row which is just what happened to Lucien Favre and we would have kept him um, so we'll have to see. Maybe this season will be the season where the transformation, the renewal takes place. Hmm. It's not a bad choice. Uh, well, yeah, you, you know, you, we mentioned him, so Gerardo Siawani, <laughs> tongue twist a little bit. We're going to have to uh, learn how to pronounce his name. Yeah, I think we're doing okay, but uh, yeah, probably can improve it. Uh, so he, of course, signed a three year contract um, coming, you know, from. Well, his previous previous club by Leverkusen, um, where, as you said, he finished third in his first season and then was sacked after eight games um, with, I think, five defeats. Um, but certainly shocking sort of start to the season that was quite unexpected. Um, however, it seemed to be a little bit of a freak result. It didn't seem to be something that uh, is it was down to the player losing, uh, the, the coach losing the, you know, locker room. Um, I may say, um, a lot of. Leverkusen players have come forward or did come forward in, in in the past month when you know Xavier Alonso of course took the t- took the team back to sort of European qualification spots and said that definitely there was sort of a um, you know mental issue in the squad after they lost these two games and um, it, it has nothing to do when they still have a really good relationship with the coach. I guess that's what a Gladbach supporter likes to believe now. You know, reading this, <laughs> it's uh, that it wasn't all his fault and he's actually great. But um, I do like that you draw the comparison to. Um, father's exit, um, which you know, uh, I think every coach can hit the spells where it just seems everything seems to go against the, the team and and the ideas that a coach has. Um, and certainly, Leverkusen did play quite exciting football. We see a little bit of everything. You can uh, you can read a very in depth tactical analysis on uh, footballexplained.de on on Seani. So it's about a half an hour read if you want to really dive into um, how he's organizing his pressing, uh, how he uses his wingers, his fullbacks, um, how he, you know, changes element in his game. But I think it's fair to say that he, he certainly, we seems to have now hired a, a sort of almost a little bit of a hybrid coach compared to the previous ideas where we would just talk relentlessly over a year about possession football and we would talk about pressing football with the previous two coaches. So maybe not a bad idea because I think it's fair to say that the whatever changes we'll see in the squad, there will also be a mixture of players there. Or do you see do you see there maybe potentially a mismatch with so many changes? Um, I was just about to say something <laughs> different, actually, that our, our new coach is... Um, what I liked about his first press conference was that he, wasn't, he didn't promise anything. He said... He talked about the kind of football he likes his team to play and he acknowledged that the situation wasn't very easy and he was a bit tentative but still he has signed a contract so I don't think he's that desperate that he'd go to a club where he thought I can't achieve anything here so um, he was different from Rose and different from Hütter and different from Farke there was mm-hmm. no not many promises made 
Um, there weren't any, uh, there wasn't any sweet talking. There wasn't any, I'm going to do this and the team are going to play it the way I want them to. But he seemed kind of uh, a solid professional coach. Hmm. And, and I think it's, it's also... I forgot uh, your question. What was your question? Well, whether, you know, whether the, the football he, he, he seemingly wants to play, which seems to be more of a hybrid form, you know, will oh. probably be a, a good match. You know, uh, yeah. And, to say, um, I guess. I think that he, what he was saying was more or less, he will do the best he can with the players he's got. So he will, he, he doesn't have this ideology about how he wants football to be played. He has these certain ideas, but he acknowledges that he has uh, players that he has to work with and he'll try to get the best out of the squad he has. Well, it's nice for a change. Looking at you, Daniel, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, so I think that is something to be positive about. And I was just going to say as well that, of course, uh, Soani is, you know, he's still a, quite a name in football, um, you know, having achieved, um, you know, or had his hands on the, on the cup in, in, in Switzerland, he had achieved glories there, and he qualified for the Champions League. So that was, you know, sort of his, his last full uh proof of uh, work paper was you know a third position in the Bundesliga so it's not really um, at least on paper at least on recruitment um, I think Gladbach is still pulling a name yeah exactly exactly so that is rather positive to to be seen after the season and I think with this you know we arrived nearly at the hour mark and as we're now entering um, the, the, the silly season or, uh, you know, the part of the season where there's, it's just rumors, it's just predictions on who's going to join the club. Um, it's probably going to be an exciting time, um, a, a quite stressful time to to look at all of these players. And we, we, we really weren't used to this anymore in the past 10 years where quite a lot of signings were done early in spring, uh, even sometimes in the winter, in the winter break for the upcoming summer, a very sort of solid planning of the squad. Um, yeah, it might be more exciting than in previous years, right? And more nerve-wracking. <laughs> what do you What do you think? <laughs> well, at the moment, we've just heard about players who will be leaving. We've hardly heard yes. about anybody who's coming. Yes. So I hope we'll have enough players. Didn't I read something about Fulkrug? Well, certainly Fulkrug was was um, there was a rumor there. Um, that's certainly someone who would hit the mark when he's on the pitch. But, you know, of course, he's also 30 years of age already and um, a little bit injury-prone. Uh, missed missed a good spell of the last sort of six to nine games of the season, which maybe prevented him from giving the uh, the goal a scorer cannon <laughs> as we, as we um, award in German football um, by himself. He had to share this, of course, with Nkunku from Leipzig, uh, both with 16 goals. Yeah. Um, it's 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 an option, but I'd be doubtful that, given his price tag, that should be around 15 million. Given his price tag, that we would put um, not all eggs, but certainly a couple of the nicer eggs in one basket. Um, but you mentioned it, you know, if Kone leaves, and um, there's even rumors now that you know players in negotiations, and and and, and maybe also uh, Nico Elvidi, um, Florian Neuhaus, there on the last year. Uh, contract and there might also be discussions to be had with workers in the club to say, um, listen, if you if you rather not extend your contract, then uh, we should sell you now. So there might be even more people even before we see any uh, any new blood coming into the club. 
would you be still available, Alexis? Then, as a as a you know um, seasoned winger or uh, uh, maybe even up front, could we? Uh, could we no, but I would be available um, as a defensive uh, number six. Oh, that was my standard position. That is, of course, an important position. Uh, we might. Yeah, try. yeah. I liked uh, dis- destroying the play of the uh, opposition. Mm. I was I was called the destroyer in my at the peak of my career. Just, well, I, I, I particularly enjoy just taking one step forward and uh, seeing that uh, the midfielder of the other team decided not to pass the ball forwards. After all, that was kind of always a great feeling. Oh, I guess that's you know almost the the ancient version of pressing how how we would do this nowadays, right? So very elegant. I didn't even have to move very much. I just exactly yeah exactly yeah, without yeah. Well, we'll keep that in mind. And again, you heard it here first on Forrata Broad. And, uh, you know, Alexis, um, maybe you get a call from um, a Swiss coach over the summer. Um, we'll have to see. I'll, 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 I'll do my best to help the club. You know, it's all about the team and uh, it's not about me at all. And I've always been a big fan. And, excellent. Excellent. On uh, the downside, we might not be able to record that that often anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could always read my uh, what is it? Facebook, Instagram contributions as you do. I think you would, I think you would need Instagram in that case, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we'll, yeah. we would love to hear from Leeds United fans how they feel about uh, Daniel Farker becoming coach of their team. Are they excited about that? About being led into the first division and then being relegated the next year. Exactly. Yeah. And th- those are rumors that Leeds United wants to have him. Yeah, I had a brief I had a brief chat about that with uh, a Leeds United supporter on the week just 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 on the weekend. So um Oh really? What did he say or she? Um he, well, he kind of just looked at me and shrugged, which I guess I shrugged back and uh, sighed. So, you know, I think that's Okay. <laughs> How that kind of football conversation goes these days uh, when Gladbach players or managers are involved. So um, mm. uh, let's see if that happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alexis, thank you for uh, joining me again after such a long break, and I hope we uh, we we get back on our feet and and you know have a more <laughs> uh, more frequent rhythm here in in in, in forward abroad and and new episodes. Um, it's fair to say it's not it's not your fault. Um, I know that. So. Um, I, I know you 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 like to be on board and you like to continue. Um, so yeah, let's uh, um, let's just say um, onwards and upwards for for a better season uh, 23, oh, 24. Already getting quite excited about the new season. Well, that was the purpose of this episode. So you know we mm. can uh, wrap it up and uh, look forward to the next season and uh, mm. to our next episode. Hopefully soon. <laughs> Right. On that note, thank you everyone who uh, who stayed with us until the hour mark. Now, um, thank you for listening. And of course, you can find us um, on you know Facebook and everything, Twitter at fullrouter underscore en. You can find me at binger05. Um, you can find Alexis if you email me or tweet at me, and I will relay the message. And you can comment on this. And uh, that's how we've done it in the past. Does that sound nice, Alexis? What, what do you say? Yeah, that sounds perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for uh, having joined me for this episode. Uh, Thank you for having me. Okay, and with this, until next season. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.